0: Push start. And is the camera recording? Let's double check, but I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> yeah. Now we got all the jigglies out. Jigglies out,
1: no Welcome to Together for Salem, episode 67. This is gonna be part five of our Rethink series. So thankful you guys are here, watching or listening on the podcast. What's up, podcasters? Uh, we just have a couple of quick things to say before we pass it over to our friend John, who's gonna talk about part five. Um, we are glad you're watching or listening. Please let us know you're watching or listening. Fill we'll out that welcome form. It's an easy way to say hello. Let us know you're watching. We can send you a free Bible. You can repress prayer. Just let us know you're watching. We start a conversation. Yep. Yep. And that's it. We're gonna come back on the other side with some more information for you. Be ready.
0: So I'm going to tell you something you already know. Our country is polarized. You feel like you have to pick one side over the other constantly. In fact, we as a country, we we've chosen to be defined by what we are against. If you think about it, right? Well, I'm against this cause or, or I'm against this happening in society. So now this is my camp or I'm against this. So now I'm against you. And, Oh, you're against that. So you're against me. Right? And the weird thing is Christians, people who call themselves Christians, at least add to this polarization and even at times create it. It's nothing new, it's been happening for, for years, but lately it seems like it's, it's exploded. People who, who call themselves Jesus followers are like belittling and demonizing people who disagree with them, or belittling and demonizing people who just maybe see things from a, just a slightly different angle and are saying, hey, maybe look at it this way. In fact, right now, it often seems like being a Christian Seems to mean that you need to you pick a side of whatever you want to pick, and then you need to fight and resist the other side. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. See examples. Some people right now, I think see themselves and they probably don't use this phrase and maybe they do see themselves as soldiers for Jesus or soldiers for Christ and they feel like they need to defend the faith defend Christianity or defend Jesus or God or or hold the line so that we keep our christian uh, morals in this country and others i think see themselves as social justice warriors and anyone who disagrees with them isn't you know really truly loving their neighbors jesus tells us to and so then they're against them. And add on top of all of this, these loud voices in the media and on social media trying to get more, more views and, and listeners and clicks by creating conflict that pushes people to extreme sides of an issue. And when we do that, there's always an enemy, right? There's always a them or a, a they that has to be stopped, that has to be resisted and fought and, and defeated. Why? because when we define ourselves by what we are against, it forces us to continually fight against others. If we're against something, that means we need to fight against the people who are for that thing, right? And when Christians do this, it makes people who are both inside the church and those watching on the outside ask, is this really Christianity? Like, do I really wanna be a part of this? Is this really what it means to follow Jesus? Well, good news, the answer is, No, that's not what it means to follow Jesus. In fact, Jesus showed a better way. I think we need to rethink what it means to follow Jesus in the 21st century because Jesus frees us to define ourselves by who we are for. And it's something the disciples, Jesus' first followers, had to rethink also. We see a perfect example in the book of Luke, Luke's uh, historical account of Jesus' life. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So the time has come. Jesus is like, all right, we did, we did our thing. We, we spread our message. Now, like the whole point, the real big point of me coming to die for humanity and rise again and, and ascend to heaven is here. He knows he's going like on his way to go die and save humanity. And that's just one short little verse there. But right here, we can clearly see the Jesus way. See, the the way of self-sacrifice for the good of all. He is choosing to go and to Jerusalem where he knows he will be crucified. See, we see the Jesus way. We see the Jesus who said, I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. The Jesus who said, I have come to seek and save the lost. And when we choose to judge, when we choose to live for what we're against, when we choose to fight, when we choose to condemn others who disagree with us, what do you think that says about which way we are following? He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. And we're going to stop there and you're going to be like, why are we stopping there? That's like just setting up the story. But we got to understand what's happening. He sent people ahead to a Samaritan village. And that's a big deal because Samaritans and Jews historically hated each other. The Jews said, no, the right way to worship God is in Jerusalem at the temple. And the Samaritans said, no, it's on our mountain where we worship God. This is the right way to worship God. And there was like racial animosity between them. The Jews had actually destroyed the Samaritans' temple at one point, And the Samaritans would attack Jewish pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. See, when we define ourselves by what we are against, we define others as either allies or enemies. And what happens is most others become enemies. People from other places, other backgrounds, with other beliefs, with other customs become enemies. They become other. In fact, that's kind of the definition of prejudice, isn't it? being against someone before even knowing a single thing about them. And that's what the Jews and the Samaritans had against each other. They're prejudiced against each other. And so Jesus is trying to go to this village and, and stay there on his way to Jerusalem. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Racism. Jesus is facing racism and opposition to the most important mission Of his life like the whole reason he came is to go to Jerusalem and be killed and sacrificed and rise again for us and so think about it Jesus knows where he's going he's facing this racism this opposition how would you respond if you were Jesus he is like on his way to die for these people and they're like no you can't stay here and think about this how would you respond if you were one of Jesus's followers at the time when James and John saw this they said to Jesus Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? That escalated quickly. (laughs) Should we send fire from heaven to burn them to a crisp? (laughs) But think about it. They kind of have every right to be angry at least, don't they? Like these prejudiced racists refuse to believe who Jesus is. They're actively, purposely resisting Jesus's mission. I mean, they're probably thinking, like, do you know who this is? This is the Messiah. This is the chosen one. This is the anointed one. This is God's man. How dare you, you filthy Samaritans? And so they're like, Jesus, let's show them. Let's show them how much power you actually have. Let's show them who you really are. Remember that story of Elijah when he called down fire from heaven to burn up the evil king's soldiers? Well, you're greater than Elijah. So let us call down fire from heaven in your name and, and burn up your enemies. Oh, jeez, But let's just pause for a second. Look at the faith here of, of James and John, right? They, I mean, they're totally violent and crazy. But look at the faith of James and John. They wholeheartedly believe if Jesus just gives the permission, then they themselves can call down fire from heaven to burn people Up, You see, in their minds, they're defending Jesus. They're standing up for Jesus. They're showing great faith. Jesus, we believe you can have us do this. That kind of sound familiar, this idea that we need to stand up for Jesus because we have great faith. See, we think the same way often. Many people in the last year or so, or two years, have used this idea of, well, Jesus flipped over tables in the temple, if you know that story. Jesus flipped over tables. They use that to say that, you know, we as Jesus followers should angrily and antagonistically fight those who disagree with us. That, you know what, well, we have the truth and the truth isn't always nice, is it? Or, you know, we have to we have to stand against what society is doing. And if you don't, you don't actually have faith. In fact, Sorry, but you've given in to fear and you care what people think over what God thinks, or maybe this is more your cup of tea. <laughs> you, you ever catch yourself celebrating when someone on the other side, whether it's political or social or whatever, uh, when they fail or when they, they slip or when they say something that could only, that could just slightly be taken the wrong way and, and you, and you push it and you say, well, I can't believe they said that or did that. In fact, I've seen this a lot with, with Christians, when they say, uh, Jesus, come back quickly, when something bad's going on in the world, right? And yes, we want we want Jesus to come back. He promised he would, and he would promised he would come and make everything right, and that he would end suffering and death. But often, the connotation to saying, Jesus, come quickly, means, for many, Jesus, come back and show everyone that I'm right, and so that those who disagree with me will burn. A lot like James and John. See, when we define ourselves by what we are against, we respond to enemies with judgment, not mercy. And then we expect Jesus to do the same. But he doesn't because Jesus brought something completely different, completely better, something more powerful. Jesus brought a new way. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Like yell at them! How dare you? Jesus turned and rebuked them. So, they went on to another village. He rebuked them. Why? Like, we we think yeah okay the fire thing that's a little extreme. But why is he like angry at his his followers? Like Jesus, James and John are thinking we are standing up for what we believe in, and that's you. We're standing up for you, Jesus. But they didn't understand the most important thing about following Jesus. In fact, Jesus tells us the most important thing about following him. This is my commandment. Fight for me when people disagree with you. Defend me at all costs. It doesn't matter. The ends justify the means. Fight for what you believe. Oh, (laughs) sorry. He doesn't say that. He says, this is my commandment, not an option. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Think about this. Jesus, who we believe is God, Jesus had all authority in the universe. He has the right to do whatever he wants in this situation that we're reading about. And these little racist peasants are trying to stop him on his way to die for them. But he chooses to walk away and die for them anyway. Jesus didn't need James and John to stand up for him. He could have said the word and all these people would have dropped dead and he could have slept in their houses and ate their food if he wanted to. James and John didn't have to fight. They didn't have to fight. They could trust that Jesus knew what he was doing. They could trust that Jesus' way was better. They were free to not have to retaliate, to not have to fight. They are free to just follow him, to move on and continue with the mission. Jesus followers, listen, we don't have to fight for Jesus. We don't have to make a stand for Jesus. We don't have to hold the line and we don't have to defend the faith because Jesus can handle himself. And usually, as we saw in the last episode, he has a different, a better purpose than our agenda. When we face disagreements, when we face opposition, we don't have to fight. We can trust that he has it covered. He has us covered. And he knows what he's doing and he can handle it. And so we're free to focus on following him. We're free to move on. We're free to continue the mission he has for us of inviting our neighbors to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers together. We are free to love one another including our enemies, which brings a whole bunch of, yeah, but John. And so I want to answer three of those. So, but John, we need to make a stand and show our faith, right? Listen, love is greater than faith. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains or bring fire down from heaven, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. How about another one? But but John, what about Jesus flipping tables, right? In, in the temple, he was angry and he said, get these out of my father's house and he flips the tables over. Like, aren't we as Jesus followers, isn't the point to kind of become like Jesus? Aren't we supposed to show righteous anger when we see wrong things? Well, let me ask you this. Why did Jesus flip over those tables? If you want to study that whole idea, in the whole uh, event. He's flipping over those tables because they were trying to sell things and making all this commotion in a place where the Gentiles had had access to worship God. Those table sellers and money changers and all that, they were keeping others from discovering the law of God. And so Jesus flipping over those tables and getting all that out of the temple, he was defending those who couldn't do it themselves. And don't forget, Jesus still died for the people whose tables he flipped over. And so here's a good rule when it comes to flipping tables. You can flip over any table you want as long as you're the son of God. Otherwise, I would recommend taking table flipping slowly, prayerfully, and lovingly. Listen, if you are more excited about showing righteous anger than merciful love, you're not righteous. You're just angry. But what what about the evil we see in society? That's a good question. What about evil like, like what we saw in this passage? What about racism? Racism is stupid. Racism is evil and is a blight on the human condition that has been there for all of history. And one of the beauties of Christianity is the promise that Jesus will come back and end racism forever. And I, I, mean, I gotta be honest, look at me. I often do feel very unqualified to speak to race issues. And in fact, in some ways, I I am. I'm not qualified to speak to the causes of racism in our society and, and political solutions. And of course, you know, I'm an American. I have my own opinions about all these things. But it's not my place to tell you what the country should do when it comes to racism. But I do feel like I can speak to what a Jesus follower should personally do when experiencing injustice. So think about this. When we look at Jesus, because that's who we're following, what was Jesus's response when he was confronted with racism? He didn't burn them, did he? No, he gave himself to die for them. so how do we confront racism, including the, the judgment, the anger, and the hatred that it brings with it? First, we need to listen. We need to listen to people who are saying there's a problem. We need to listen to those who are experiencing life in a different way than we are. It's good to have education and awareness of what is going on in our world. And second, a Jesus follower, no matter whether it's racism or whatever it is, needs to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. And so we need to protect the, those who aren't in a place to protect themselves. But third, when injustice, whether it's racism or not, is aimed at us, our answer, our response, as a Jesus follower, needs to be love. And I know that's easy to say, especially for someone like me, but reconciliation is greater than retribution. And that might seem too simplistic, I know, but sometimes the most powerful tools are the simplest. See, forgiving and loving your enemies is not some unattainable ideal that Jesus said to forgive and love our enemies. You'll never actually be able to do it, but here's a good plan. No. In fact, loving our enemies, forgiving our enemies, is one of the main defining marks of a Jesus follower. See, Jesus frees us and empowers us to genuinely forgive and love our enemy. But you can only love them if you forgive them. See, you can't love someone you are holding bitterness toward. So how do we forgive? I think the same way Jesus did when he's being nailed to the cross. We say, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. See, Jesus was able to see the blindness and the deception that blinded people's hearts to the love of God. See, those who carry hatred toward others still are Of this world. They still think in worldly ways. They can't see, they can't understand the love of God, no matter what religion they say they follow. Forgive them, and you will move from anger to compassion, from retaliation to mercy. In fact, just recently, uh, Bernice King, Dr. Bernice King, the youngest daughter of Martin Luther King Jr., tweeted this I struggled with hate and bitterness for many years. I mean, my father was assassinated, my paternal grandmother was assassinated, my uncle died mysteriously, but I had to get well or I would have been consumed. I'm grateful that I learned that love makes justice happen. This forgiveness, this loving our enemies is not something that happens overnight. It's something that takes practice, it takes work. So how do we do it? Well, I would say, First, start by reading Luke six twenty-seven through 36. But to you who are willing to listen, are you willing to listen? I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If Someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Read that. See it as not uh, good advice. Not an ideal that we could never reach but actual commands from our king, from our God. It says if we do that, will receive a, a great reward. Oh, well, one of those great rewards is peace. If we live that way, if we live through Jesus' love, we experience peace with God, with others, and even with ourselves. And so pray. So first read Luke and then pray for your enemies and love them. in by name, not just God help me love my enemies, but no, Pray for your enemies by name, whether you know them or not, whether it's, you know, Trump or Biden or or Harris or your neighbor or your boss or your ex or your in-laws or even your, your classmate. Pray for them and then love them. Do something loving towards them. Buy them coffee. Send them a gift card. Send them a note telling them, hey, congratulations on whatever good thing happened to you. Pray for them even if you're not sure anyone is listening. Trust me, try it, it will change your heart. Do good to them, even if you think they won't care if you do it or not. It's not always for them, it's to help free you to forgive and love. See, Jesus offers to free us from having to define ourselves by what we are against. See, we can say we're against hatred and say define ourselves by that, but isn't it better to be for love? We can say we're against sin or intolerance or we're against greed, but isn't it better to be for love, to be for others, to be for peace? See, Jesus offers freedom from having to see everyone as either an ally or an enemy. He offers freedom to not have to retaliate. He gives us freedom to trust Him with the outcome, and freedom to simply love others and trust Him with the result and John, one of the guys who wanted to call down fire from heaven to burn up Jesus' enemies, eventually, as an old man, he understood the Jesus way. And that's why he wrote, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Defining ourselves by who we are for, allows us to freely love others.
1: Thanks, John, keeping in mind who we are for, as we rethink things, it's always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being, being defined by that. Mm-hmm. Definition. And not what we're against. Right. Yeah. How do you feel about Korean food? Love it, Are you especially for- if it's by Bim Bap House. Yeah, happy, happy uh, by Bim Well, I'm happy when I go and eat there. Well, yeah, that's probably why it's in the it's title. Great, but you'd stuff. call your, you'd say you're for that. Definitely for. You know who else is gonna be? Times. You know who else is gonna be for that place this week? But <laughs> Stephanie T. Wow, you're our rando winner. Stephanie T. Aaron picked a number and he picked yours. So Brand congrats! Winner. Thanks for entering everyone who uh, played the game on social media. Mm-hmm. We. Um, promoted or whatever, Happy Bible Bathhouse. Bath mm-hmm. House. So that's a mouthful. Glad to support them. Go check it out. Carter is right. The kimchi is amazing. Bob. Amazing. So, so and they're just great people. So yeah, downtown Salem, check it out. Uh, but we're going to do a different giveaway this week. Yes. A different kind of giveaway. What's that? Okay. So you know that place in Salem that you go and they the have- The They have amazing groceries. Winco. Nope. Well, that is amazing. But we're gonna give away $25 to Roths. Oh yeah. And let me tell you something Famous about donuts. Roth's. There's I think five locations in Salem, maybe I less. I think that's right. In surrounding area. But this place is great. And I have heard mm-hmm. through the grapevine, there's actually a YouTube video out there on it. Oh really? That they have the best hamburgers oh, in yeah. Salem. So we're gonna give away $25 to Roths. You don't have to buy a hamburger, no. you can buy wine. Or cosmic crisp apples, or something. whatever you want. Local seafood, fresh. Or raisin brand. But we're going to give away twenty-five dollars to Roth's, and they've been around for a long time. Yes, Orville started the business, and they're still running. Uh, so check out Roth's mm-hmm. groceries. Uh, but we're going to give away twenty-five dollars to Roth's. Mm-hmm. So we're having another party. We are. Mm-hmm. We are. We're going to be gathering at Minto Brown Island Park. Yes. And the cool thing is, we're actually going to do baptisms. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in getting baptized. This could be the right time for you. Mm-hmm. July 25th could be your baptism, reborn, birthday, right celebration. Celebration. Uh, it's kind of a good day to do it. So uh, we have information on the website about what baptisms are and what they mean, or um, linked in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But we want to let you know just a quick rundown of what it's going to be like. We arrive, park at number three, parking lot number three. It's the farthest one. We'll have a map. Um, we're going to meet at the shelter right there. Mm-hmm. We're going to sing a few songs we're gonna have a picnic. So people bring your chairs, bring your um, food that you want to eat with your, the people that you came along with. And we're just gonna to picnic together, mm-hmm. chat, hanging out. And then after a little bit of eating, we're gonna walk down to the river and we're gonna celebrate and do some baptisms. So it's gonna be super cool, super laid back. Have you uh, been show that Nacho Libre clip? <laughs> You've not been baptized. <laughs> Yeah, I can show that. If you've never been baptized. I mean, legally, I probably can't show it. Probably not. And I just thought it would be a good idea if you...
0: (laughs) Felicidades.
1: So, I think that's it. Kids content. Kids content online. Check that out. We revamped the kids page a little bit, added some more resources for you parents. Mm -hmm. And we have youth events coming up this summer. That's right. So check out those dates also on the webpage. Enjoy your connect groups. Enjoy your summer enjoy your alliances. If you want to get connected, please let us know, fill out that welcome form, and we'd love to find a way to get you in one of those groups. That's right. So I guess we'll see you next week. Yeah. Yep.
0: Baptism is a very cool thing. Um, it doesn't—it doesn't give you salvation. It doesn't make you go to heaven. Any of that. It's—it's um, it's basically a public declaration that Lauren has decided to follow Jesus. That Jesus is her king. And the symbolism of baptism—I mean, it goes all the way back to you know its Jewish roots. But the symbolism—symbolism symbolism for us, the church, is that. Uh, When the person goes under the water, they're they're dead to themselves. They're dead to their sinful nature. And when they come up, they're a new person. They're they're new in Christ. They're a new creation. baptism doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit's already done that. This is a symbol of that and a public declaration that that's what's happened to you. So. Woo! Yeah! Lauren, you ready? Yeah. Okay. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Put so, your towel and then yeah. we can pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, if, if anybody's hot, you can get a hug. <laughs> yeah. <have> a <laughs> <But> honestly, <laughs> the water is perfect. <laughs> it actually would probably be a little fun. <laughs>